Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hello, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm good, and my squeaky chair is still squeaking, I've just realised. <laughs> <laughs> you need some WD-40. Yes, I do. I do, for myself as well, I think. Um, <laughs> Bathe in it, put your furniture in it. Yeah, I'm just pretending it's my chair, actually. <laughs> How when you I... bend your arms. Yeah. How are you? Um, a lot better than I was, oh, but I just good. still don't feel marvellous. Okay. I'm being brave about it all, though. That's good. That you mm. always are. I know. I know. I know. It's I. It's a quality of mine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I missed speaking to you. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Um, it is not good. But so it's good. We're back and badder than ever. Yeah. And I want to know what you've been up to. Catch me up. Okay. Well. I finally finished reading a novel I've been reading for a while and it it took me a while not because it's bad the opposite it's just I've only ever read it when I was about to go to sleep so I only ever got sort of two pages further and um, it's a novel and I'm not sure where I heard about it might well have been at the passing conference that you organized um, because it is about passing it's Mm. by someone called Jessie Redmond Fawcett Oh, yes, yes, someone did a paper on her and Nella Larson. Yes, um, she's off there, apparently often compared. And she's written three novels, and I, I think it's three, and I read the second one, which supposedly is her best, um, which is called Plum Bun. Oh. Um, and it was published in 1928. I think the, the name comes, there is a, um, I just got it in front of me, there is a little thing at the front. It says, to market, to market, to buy a plum bun. Home again, home again, market is done. Okay. I'm not entirely sure what that has to do with a novel, but let that be to one side. What it is about, it's about this um, main character. It's called Angela, and she uh, is black, and she, her father has got very dark skin, but her mother has very light skin. And um, she has a sister who's got very dark skin, but she has very light skin. So Uh when she's young, she grows up in Philadelphia. She often goes out with her mother and they pass. So they go to places where normally they wouldn't be allowed to go. So uh, her sister goes with her father and they do other stuff. And she goes with her mother, not so much actually because of the color of their skin she also just really likes what her mother likes which is going to shops and department stores or having tea in a nice hotel and things like that yes but her mother never her mother doesn't want to be white it's just that she she might as well you know make the best of you know what she can and then the parents die, the, the two daughters were meant to become teachers. Um, Angela's quite good with art as well. And so they sell off the house and Angela decides to go to New York and she decides to continue to pass in New York. And she goes to Cooper Union, which I didn't know about. Do, do you know about Cooper Union? She takes classes there. Yes, because I think Art Smith, you know the jeweler I oh, wrote yes. about, I think he went there. Yeah, it sounds amazing. You, it was, it was set up in the mid nineteenth century, and people could go there and study without paying anything. It's, wow. Yeah, and apparently that's 
that was the case until quite recently and then something happened but anyway it sounds really interesting so she goes there and then she meets a sort of bohemian arty crowd and hangs out with them for a while and um, there's one person who's one man who's interested in her but she doesn't want to have anything to do with him and then she meets a rich young man and she hopes he will want to marry her but he proposes something else he wants to make her his mistress and um, yeah and uh, she goes actually it goes along with that for a while and then um, they split up and she wants to go back to the other man uh, but then it turns out the other man actually is black and he has never told anyone and he of course oh doesn't know she's white goodness. so it gets it gets really really complicated so he says we can't be together because of that and then she at first doesn't tell him and then she tells him and he says well there's actually another problem i actually am with someone else now and it turns out to be her sister so it's really complicated and i don't yes yeah. it sounds fascinating <laughs> but what i what I really like about it, I mean, in lots of things, I first of all, it's it's very detailed. So I think you could actually find the places where where the person lives, where Angela lives. At first, she lives in 14th Street and then she goes. Her sister at some point comes to New York as well and she visits her sister in Harlem and she goes to a hairdresser and there's quite a lot of description of what it's like in the hairdressers. And then she hangs out for a while with another arty crowd, but they're a bit more, they have a bit more money than the bohemian one she first hung out with. And um, they're in another area of New York, I've forgotten where now. So it's again this sort of zoning with what we've talked yes. about before, that yeah. sort of different groups live in different places. Um, so that's really interesting but also there is quite a lot about clothing and there was one particular one which I, I wanted to read to you because um, Angela goes to see her sister um, it's sort of towards the end of the novel and she wants to talk to her but her sister is going away and she's packing and she's with friends and um, Angela it, rather impatiently she glanced at the two girls hoping they would take the hint and leave them but they had not even heard her. So engrossed were they in discussing the relative merits of one and two piece sports clothes. Ooh. Yeah, I really like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And there is quite a lot because it's quite detailed. There's quite a lot of that, that kind of thing. So they, when they're in Philadelphia still, they mention a Wanamaker, which was a department store there. Yes. And so there's, there's quite a lot of that kind, kind of stuff and hair again that comes up again and again. Um, which is also really, really interesting. And apparently the novel wasn't very well received because it's not very modernist. It's quite, you know, it's got this, this convoluted plot, not very, you know, there's sort of weird coincidences and apparently mm. it was seen as quite old fashioned. Oh. And it seems it was then sort of rediscovered in the 80s because she's actually, it's called Plumban, a novel without a moral. And that's actually the whole title. And it's interesting how it sort of almost isn't past judgment um, about yes. what she does, Angela. In, 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 she, in the end, she sort of does change her way, but it's sort of made understandable yes. why she lives the way she lives. And it's also understandable that she becomes the mistress of that man. And that's not really condemned. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, when it when it talks about clothing and hair, is that linked 
in any way to how she passes or is it just her skin colour that allows her to pass? There's no sense of her dressing to fit in with different groups either to pass as white or to pass as RT or whatever. Um, so her hair comes up at some point. Her hair actually, I think, never is never described. She's described mm. a lot as being very beautiful, so that, that comes up a lot. At some point, she compares her father's hair to the hair, when she's still in Philadelphia, to the hair of someone who really likes her. And she says her father her father's hair was thick, coarsely grained, but beautifully curling and open, black hair. And then the person who really likes her, but she doesn't like so much, she says he has tight, bad hair, and bad is inverted commas. Oh. And that comes up a few times. It's always in inverted commas. Yes. Um, so, but her hair, I think, isn't mentioned. So when she goes to the hairdressers, she says her sister always goes out to have her beautiful hair um, being looked after. But she just observes. She just sits in the hairdresser and, and looks what's happening. But her hair mm. isn't being dealt with. And in terms of clothes, I think... It is mentioned what she wears, but not necessarily. At some point when she's not with a rich guy anymore, it, her clothes become a bit, not disheveled, but um, she seems to have less or, you know, what's the sort of thing that comes before disheveled? They're just getting a bit old. Yes, but yeah. I, I don't think it's sort of talked about that she sort of changes very much, but she always tries to be dainty. Um, that seems to oh, that's be interesting. yeah. That seems to be the best thing you can be is is being dainty. Um, I mean, that's probably true for all women at this era. Yeah, I suspect so. I think the other thing that is interesting is when I kept having to remind myself that it's nineteen twenty eight. This was published, right? But when they talk about clothes, it almost sounds like thirties clothes, and I'm not quite sure. Oh where that comes from like even this short thing i've just read you know of sports clothes one piece or two piece and you see yes. in the 20s what would a two piece i guess maybe it's a sweater and a and a, a simple skirt? skirt i don't know or, or a dress and a jacket maybe yeah i mean i think you do you do get them at that point don't you and you get like because you get like jersey knits and things yes then. yeah yeah and particularly the second half of the 20s, I would say. Yeah, no, we have some sort of out ensembles. Um, mm. some, I think we have one which is, which is a jumper, a cardigan, and a skirt, all of the same sort of knitted, silky, Ooh, artificial what silk. colour? I think we have one that is black, and then I think we have another one that's, I think, just a skirt and a jumper, which is beige-ish. And I think they're both out of very shiny sort of jersey knit which makes wow. me think it's artificial um, yes so yeah maybe that's what what they mean um and yeah and Possibly. Oh, I know that I've got a picture I must send it to you of um it's an it's a Skurlock studio photograph he was a black photographer who photographed kind of upper middle class black people in um Washington DC and there's a brilliant photograph actually I used it with my students yesterday of a group of black girls watching uh I you know I don't know about sport a game a match oh I think I know that thing happening 
Yeah, I, and they're all wearing sportswear. That's true. I think I know that photo. Yeah, it's a really, it's really great yeah. photo. Mm. Yeah, and it's, I don't know if it's at Howard University, but it's one of the, the black universities and it's really good. And, it, you know, they're so fashionable and they're so chic yeah it's really lovely yeah definitely and you you must look after jesse redmond Fawcett. there aren't that many pictures of her but she looks really um chic and she and so she that's yeah it. she's really interesting we like anyone who's chic. yeah exactly she uh it's interesting but she was born in the early 80s so when she writes the novel she's wow. you know almost you know at mid late yeah. 40s and i think it's quite um from what I've read about her, because she she grew up in Philadelphia, and I think she, it's part of me thinks it's maybe quite autobiographical. Um, and oh, she was a teacher for a long time. She went to university, even though her mother died when she was young, and there were lots. Of, her father remarried, and there were lots of children. I I if I counted properly, there were thirteen children in that that family. Wow. And. For what I think she's a lot known for now, rather than her novels apparently, is that she was literary editor of The Crisis between 1919 really? and 26. Yeah. Wow. So she apparently discovered many of the important sort of black literary figures, or, fir or first, maybe if not discovered, first published them. Uh, so that's why, that's apparently what she's sort of mainly known, known for now. Oh, that's interesting. Because uh, it's because I mean we've talked before about the Nella Larson yeah. books and stories and and dress is so much a part of of how she fits in or doesn't fit into different lifestyles within blackness or whiteness mm. in and, you know both in passing and in quicksand yeah and also how people see her when she i remember when she goes yes. to denmark how they want her to yes exactly yeah dress in colorful clothes yes the sort of white expectations of how a black woman should dress mm. i mean that sounds really interesting the book yeah no it, de it definitely is and i would quite like to one of the her other ones there's one called there is confusion which i think is her first and it might be that one. One apparently is is set in a beautician's, or someone becomes a beautician, which which oh, also that, sounds. Oh, that I already want to read. Yeah, that. exactly. Also sounds really interesting. So um, I don't think they actually have been republished. So my or maybe I just bought a second hand book because oh. I thought I wanted to, but my my one is from the eight from the eighties. My edition from of Plum. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, it's I definitely must, worth I must reading. Read it. Yeah, and I want to read it. Um, I'm sort of going through it again because I think I missed out a few, quite a lot of things. It's, yeah, but it's it's really, really nice. Oh, I'm just I'm just looking at something else. So, uh, just a quote I wrote out, which is: "A late Easter was casting its charm over the city when Angela, trim, even elegant in her conventional tailored suit, stood in the dining room of the little house waiting for her taxi." And again, that oh. that makes me think of thirty. So. I don't know, but I guess people had suits in twenty eight. Yeah, mm, they did. Mm. They but did. There's there's a sort of key moment I think in in the novel. So a lot of it is ex excuse is not the right word, but a lot of what she does you can understand. Even you, mm. but there is one thing. Her sister, when her sister comes to New York, she wants to meet her at the train station, and she's mm. at the train station and. 
and assist she can already see her sister but she can also see by coincidence the rich white man she's going out with at the time oh. turns up again as well and she doesn't know what to do and her sister when they were young they always had this little game and it was a bit um like Mr. Is it Mr. Livingston? I presume it was sort of a oh yes, so, yes. Um, something like that that they always sort of joked about. I think it's a sort of saying from a from a novel, and they always said, "Oh, when when we meet, I will say this to you." So the sister comes up and says, "You know, Mrs. Harriet, uh, I believe, or something," which then gives her a way out because she doesn't say her actual name, so she pretends she doesn't uh... know her sister. And, you know, everything else she's done, you think, is sort of fine. But you think, oh, no, that's that she shouldn't have done that. And yeah. and that then comes up again and again in the novel every time she doesn't feel. There's sort of several times when when she splits up with, with the rich man and when she doesn't feel well and she sort of thinks about what have I done? Why is my life not good? What have I done wrong? And then it she always comes back to I shouldn't have you know that that was the one thing she really shouldn't have done so that's quite wow. quite interesting and it sort of mirrors something that happens earlier on when she's with her mother and they can see her father and sister walk past and they're outside a hotel and they often speak to the doorman of the hotel and yes. if the doorman knew they were you know one family they you know they wouldn't be able to go in anymore so oh, they don't say anything. They just let the father and the sister go by. And... It's like the tarot, the kind of, oh my goodness, there's such emotional bit in, um, oh God, the name's gone out of my head. What's the really famous film? Uh, the Douglas Sirk film. Oh yes, I know. Yeah. When, yeah. When she goes. To... Yeah. When, when her mother, when the, the daughter has gone to live in um you live away from her mother who's black and who is a maid and she's become a showgirl the daughter and the mother comes to tell her that she's she's dying and oh my god it's just so terrible because then her her flatmate comes in who doesn't know she's black mm. and she pretends it isn't her mother and pretends it's her nanny and it's just it just kind of rips your heart out yeah yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, and it's it's like like that. And the first time round with the father, it's somehow not so bad because the father doesn't see them; they just see the father and the other sister. But with the sister, it's quite different because she actually comes up to her. So yeah, no, it, imitation of life. That's ah oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And it's um, there's a there's a it interesting because I read when when we were doing the. Um, the conference on passing I read quite a lot of really interesting things about passing and and one thing that really stuck with me was the idea that if you are passing you're perpetually in exile mm. and I thought that was a really brilliant way of yeah. describing it that you're in exile from your family from yourself even from the friends you make in your new persona because That's you're true. never you're kind of always on the watch and you're always not and yeah you could yes, always be a, found out mm. yes yeah yeah it's a very it's kind of very frightening to think of it like that yeah and to think about you know that that why you have to do that mm. yeah. as well or why you feel why someone feels they have to do that why mm. they're made to feel like that mm. yeah no i'll definitely read it yeah be interesting to 
hear what you think about it when you've read it. Yeah, we will discuss. And what have you been up to? Well, I spent most of this week in bed, not being well. Mm. But I wanted to talk to you because you know I teach this course on the senses for my first yes. year. Yes. And you know that every year I'm like, I can't think of anything for taste. And I have to just say to them, I can't think of anything for taste. Well, I finally, finally came up with something which I can't believe I never thought of before, which is Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette film. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I thought of it, I thought, this is so obvious. I've written on this. How have I... <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't done it before. And it was so interesting to watch it because what once I'd sort of come up with that, it was though my brain started to work properly. Because I started off by showing them some some... I suddenly thought, actually, accessories and beauty shots often compare accessories and beauty products to food. And so I found, like, quite a few with jewellery to make, like, photographed on a plate with a fork. Ah, as they were about interesting, to eat yeah. The jewels. Mm. And then one, a, a 1960s um, photograph by Hero, where the model has got a, a brooch in the shape of a fish, like a diamond brooch in her mouth, mm. like holding it in her mouth. And it's so interesting because even in jewellery shops, they're often, like, beautiful sweeties as well and it's it's like it was interesting because I was reading about the senses and about taste and it talks about how Aristotle and some other um, thinkers of his period would write about how taste touch and smell you know were they the same sense Mm, in fact because they're so close Mm. (laughs) and I thought that was so interesting in terms of how you respond to a photograph of jewelry that's making you think of eating it yeah as well and then I also got um, do you know Raymond Meyer, this no. photographer? Mm-mm. Well, he does. They're like they are so beautifully lit, like product photographs of of again access. I mean, he does fashion editorial as well, but I think he's best known for accessories and beauty. And I found this one from you know when Liz Tilburis took over Harper's Bazaar yeah. in America in the nineties, and it just looked amazing. Just like every issue is amazing, and there were these ones where. It was like the bullet bit of the lipstick cut mm-hmm. off in different colors, but then, it, and they were all like piled together on white, but it looked like they were melting, so they looked like ice cream oh, wow. melting. Mm. And it was really interesting because some of the students thought this looked dis- delicious, and some of them thought it looked disgusting. So it was like they reacted to it like food mm. as well. And then it had like the same colors as the lipsticks now varnished like you're viewing it from the top but each bottle is pouring as though it's syrup yeah i think i do know those photos um, yeah now that you describe them yeah and Mm. it and it was just it was just really interesting that our reactions related to react food but also then when we were talking about them it was like we were describing them with words that you use for food like Ah. sweet and delicious and you know and 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 when you sorry, but as I say, yeah, when yeah. you read the copy that goes along mm. with those pictures, there's so many food words and food adjectives used for food. It reminds me of um, Mary Quant later on. She had a she had a makeup line in the seventies called Special Recipe. So oh, even wow. the name. God, I should I wish I'd realised. And it was in. Um, the packaging, even though it was plastic, um, it had sort of wheat chief on it, and oh. they were 
they've often photographed it, the packaging amongst vegetables and stuff on a on a oh, on a wooden funny. table yeah it's it's really interesting or there's another one when it's all sort of lying in the grass that's maybe it's m m not so much to do with food but there's definitely one where it's amongst you know parsnips and all all of that <laughs> and what do you say about the um about the words I, I'm, I'm quite sure that was the same as well yes yeah and because it, it it's like you can see with beauty products how it relates because you know, you taste your beauty products even yes. if you don't want to quite often. Yeah. And the smell of them, mm. and often they're vanillary smells, aren't they? And sweet smells. Mm. But then, yes, then I showed them, you know the clip in Marie Antoinette where um, Bow Wow Wow I Want Candy is played? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, it's so great. It's because you see that choosing fabrics and trimmings for clothes, you see shoes jumbled together like sweets on the plate you see actual sweets actual you know macaron and like amazing pastries and cakes and you see them gambling with chips that are, the gambling chips are like pale pink that look like sweets and you see champagne being poured and you see puppies with little jeweled necklaces on and and it's all kind of gorgeous and sweetie colored and candy and and it is like everything seems to be edible and everything seems to be consumed and just excessive. Mm. I guess so there's I... also something in, I was just thinking in certain types of clothing. Hear me out. I'm sort of thinking okay, through while I'm, I'm just... talking. Um, certain types of clothing associate with certain tastes because you always wear certain things when you do certain things, if you see what I mean. So let's say you know when we used to have events at when well we still have events at the museum but i used to wear a certain type of outfit you know when we had mm. to sort of dress up and then it sort of related to taste of i don't know what you get you know at a at a do at a museum do. like canapé yeah canapé and stuff like that um so maybe maybe there's something in there as well in terms yeah. of um certain things you wear to eat certain things i don't know oh i like that idea mm. Yeah, not quite sure yes. how, where you can go with your that, restaurant but... outfit. Yeah, a different cuisine outfit. Yeah, your ice cream eating outfit. Um... <laughs> I I don't know it, but it's really interesting, and I really like because I really like teaching about the senses because it's so fascinating. But also the reading on it is so interesting, where philosophers are, are sort of getting themselves in a pickle trying to think about which sense is which and how it's really, really hard to separate them out. Because mm. when you look at a picture of clothes, you automatically imagine how they feel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, you know, like amazing still life paintings with, you know, peaches or something. You can imagine how it feels, how it tastes, how it smells. You know, Rococo paintings with flowers and women looking like flowers mm. you feel like you can smell them as well so it's it's really I think it's just fascinating the kind of how intertwined our senses are and how much fashion magazines and fashion imagery plays on that yeah and mm. kind of develops these these associations mm. as well yeah so as I said particularly with the jewelry I do like the jewelry shots where it's like you're going to eat a, a plate of because mm. that seems so unappealing and yet you completely understand how it's also seductive it's and i guess strange. it's with um you know 
particularly, I know that's very obvious, but with lipstick, um, mm. again, you know, I can, I can sort of think of lots of photos where the model is eating something, but it's, you know, it's a yes. close-up of the mouth, but yeah, she's eating something, but it's main, it's there to show the lipstick. Yes. Um, yeah. No, it's really, it's really weird. And there's, because I have in the past, I have the other thing I've shown for taste is, you know, nowness. Yes. The, the site, mm. I really like that mm. site. And they have this amazing film where I can't remember who the artists are, but it's, I, I remember, I think it's Ellis Farr's makeup. And they put, it's like a, a model has pushed her face through like card. So you just see her face. Mm -hmm. And, they paint her face with enough makeup for 365 days. <laughs> and so they use, you know, you can get like foundation things that spray. Yes. So they're like spraying layer after layer. Wow. So it starts just like dripping down her face. It looks amazing, mm. but it, it's dripping down her face. And I always thought that was very much like evoking food. Yes. Mm. And very weirdly playing with your senses mm. when you watch it because you kind of like there's a point where because like at first she looks like really really pretty and then it starts to become kind of disgusting and excessive because <laughs> it's just like gooey stuff dripping down her face and you start to imagine how uncomfortable that would feel and again it's kind of interesting that it's both sort of delicious and disgusting at the same time yeah yeah Oh, that's so, but anyway, I'm very yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just pleased that I finally managed to do taste. But, yeah, you know, it only took me three hundred years to work. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's perfect. Now it's perfect, so yeah. I can retire. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I must go because yeah, I need you to sound rest. a bit. Uh, yes, I think my yeah. voice is, is yeah. going. But it's so good to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, good to talk to and you. And I'll see you again see this you week for another week. visit. Yes, yes, fantastic. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.